Hey guys, it's your boy Noir. Have you ever heard of Noir? Nah, not me. I mean Noir Coin. Noir is a decentralized digital currency created to ensure your transactions are secure, private, and untraceable. They use this fantastic protocol called Sigma, which provides you complete anonymity over your funds. It has a 2.5 minute block time. What I thought was really cool is that it's a community governed currency. So all of the decisions are made by the community. So check it out. It also has no max supply. So anyone can mine Noir and use it every day as a daily payment method. You want more information? Make sure you follow them on Twitter at NoirCoin. That's at NoirCoin. And make sure you check them out at NoirOfficial.org. That's NoirOfficial.org. You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now here's your host, Invest Noir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Cigars and Crypto. It's your boy Noir, and I am so happy to have Joe Chicolo from BitAML. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am fantastic. I cannot complain. I've had two cigars today, and my wife has not yelled at me. <laughs> Sounds like a great start. <laughs> That's the perfect start to an evening. So, hey, let's jump right in, okay? How did you get into cryptocurrencies and blockchain? So I had a very auspicious entry into the space. Um, I come from a background of traditional bank compliance. So uh, it was a, a compliance seminar uh, on cryptocurrency where the speaker endeavored to explain uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. This was back in 2014. And um, I, I could see the audience of bankers around me start to zone out and, and some of them sort of shaking their, their head in dismay. Um, meanwhile, I was glued to the speaker and the content, and I knew this was something that uh, was warrant uh, further uh, exploration. And so I began to go down the rabbit hole and consume as much content as I could through uh, YouTube and social media and uh, other points on the web. And uh, it really became a space that became very interesting to me uh, and very exciting uh, and something I, I knew I wanted to be a part of. Um, and so I started attending uh, various cryptocurrency meetups, uh, both here in Northern California, uh, back in Chicago, and, and any time I had some some downtime on, on family vacations, much to the chagrin of my wife, um, I would uh, sneak away for a little bit and go to a Bitcoin meetup and endeavor to learn more. Um, and as I began to attend these events, I found it quite interesting that people sought the attention uh, of me uh, to ask various compliance questions, of course, when I introduced myself and my background uh, in bank compliance and that I would like to have the opportunity to answer any questions or uh, love to be a resource to folks in the space, um, I noticed that there are small crowds gathered around me uh, at these meetups, which if uh, anyone comes from the world of compliance, usually people head in the opposite direction. So I thought it was pretty auspicious when people started to head towards me uh, and seeking some information. And I knew then that I could have the chance to make a positive impact on the crypto space. And, uh, you know, five plus years on, I haven't looked back. That's fantastic. I, you know, I, I've had this discussion a couple of times with folks that you don't necessarily have to be a full stack developer to get into the space. You don't need to be a uh, blockchain solution architect to get into the space. You just have to have a willingness and a niche 
that makes you unique and you can fit and fill a role in the space. And I think it's amazing that your compliance background afforded you the ability to really carve out your niche in this space. And I'm glad that people gravitate to you uh, for information when you are uh, in various settings. I think it's important for cryptocurrency that we become compliant as a whole. Um, mass adoption will only come when we have folks like you and BitAML uh, providing uh, anti-money laundering services uh, for these crypto operators. Now, BitAML, I had the opportunity to have a great discussion with one of your staffers, Annalise Strader, and uh, she turned me on to you. And tell me about BitAML. Is BitAML only for uh, money service providers like the Bitcoin ATM operators, or do you work with other entities as well, like exchanges? Sure. We definitely work with exchanges as well as Bitcoin ATM operators. So uh, essentially our clients are any financial institution or so, so meet the definition under federal uh, guidance of financial institutions in the crypto space. So we work closely with uh, Bitcoin ATM operators, exchanges, trading platforms, traders, peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending pla or peer-to-peer -peer trading platforms, lending platforms in crypto. Uh, so essentially any registered and regulated institution within the world of cryptocurrency is where you'll generally find us. That's awesome. So ha have you, has you or your firm been called upon to provide guidance for legislators at the local, state, or federal level? Uh, we have. Uh, we've uh, had the opportunity uh, before relocating here to California. Uh, we started off in Illinois. Uh, we had the chance to, uh, to work uh, fairly closely with some influential uh, individuals in, in state and local governments uh, and helping to uh, be a part of uh, what I think is a, a very uh, stellar and comprehensive a positive approach at the state level in Illinois. Uh, and we're pleased to be a part of that success story. Uh, and out here in California, we have uh, certainly started a conversation uh, around potential state regulation. So there's currently a bill, uh, Assembly Bill 1489, so AB 1489 for your listeners if they want to do some research, uh, that is currently pending uh, here in the California legislature that uh, is really going to start to gain some steam uh, in terms of having some hearings uh, probably January of 2020, um, which is uh, right around the corner. It's not too far off. So uh, we've been in contact with some, uh, some lawmakers uh, here in Sacramento, uh, as well as some various industry groups that have uh, asked us to be a part of the conversation. So uh, we're very pleased and we hope that there's going to be a similar success story out here in the Golden State uh, as we head back in the land of Lincoln. That's actually good to hear. I want to keep your name and company in my back pocket. I am going to pursue my legislators here in the great state of Delaware. Um, we are primarily a banking state, and there is no reason why we shouldn't be the crypto state. So I will definitely keep that information handy um, when I go and I speak to them. So if I were a, let's say, Bitcoin ATM operator, right? And I am experiencing the challenges of getting my business off the ground. What kind of services does BitAML provide to me to assist me in getting my business up and running and remaining compliant? Absolutely. Um, we're, we're one of the first um, opportunities that individuals entering the space have to really understand uh, where to go with their compliance uh, requirements. So we really help folks not only to write their written AML compliance program, which is a requirement, 
in, in keeping good standing with FinCEN uh, at the federal level, uh, but is also a requirement uh, throughout the process of owning and operating a Bitcoin ATM. And so that core requirement uh, is one in which we're able to fulfill for those entering the space that have an idea that they need to do something to do with KYC and AML. They know they usually know that they need to report suspicious activity or keep track of records. But they really aren't sure about the in and out, like how do I execute on this day to day? How can I put together a comprehensive strategy that I can be compliant? Um, and at the same time, it, it, it flows and, and works within my uh, within my business plan. And so uh, we work close, closely with our clients, not only to craft the written AML compliance program, which is required in writing, uh, but we also walk them through the process. Operationally, how is this going to work? How is this going to interact with your other business responsibilities? Um, and in some ways, we've, we've sort of morphed a little bit into offering something extra in that having been in the space for over four years now, uh, we could speak with a, a great deal of experience um, as to uh, how to approach banks for a potential banking relationship, how to reach out to state regulators, um, and even some basic business questions. You know, where do I put my Bitcoin ATM? Or, you know, who are some good contacts to make? Or who do you think would be a good liquidity provider uh, for my ATM operation? And um, it, it's really sort of started with compliance, and that's certainly our core, and we maintain that as our core. Uh, but it's it's great when we get to, to talk about other aspects of business and feel like we're contributing something extra and because it can be very daunting uh, for any entrepreneur, no matter what field they go in, they're taking those first couple of steps. And we're we're so privileged uh, and honored that when folks enter the space, the one of the first calls they make is, is to our office. And um, that really says something. And really, we feel a lot of responsibility that comes along with that, not just for the compliance, but also to make them aware of some of the realities uh, of operating in this competitive, dynamic, and really exciting space. That's fantastic. So if I am opening a, if I'm opening a Bitcoin ATM here in Delaware, you can help me here. If I'm opening one in California, you can help me there. Can you help me in all 50 states? Uh, yeah, we sure can. So here in the U.S., um, AML best practices, by and large, are set at the federal level. So the requirements, um, expectations, best practices, and regulatory authority is, is very well concentrated at the federal level, which, of course, covers all the states, Washington, D.C., and the territories. Um, as it pertains to state level, um, there are various states, depending upon the state within which, within one, which one operates, where a state license may be required. Um, for Bitcoin ATMs, um, that number is a little bit lower than exchanges and others, just based on the way that money transmission laws are written. Um, so in many cases, if it's a direct wallet-to-wallet -wallet transaction, uh, several states do not require uh, one to have a money transmitter license or at least haven't made a determination as to whether a license is required. So things are definitely driven at the federal level, which allows us to be um, fairly state agnostic. Obviously, there are uh, exceptions to that rule. We know in New York they have a bit license, so those requirements are a little more far-reaching. Um, not just the requirement of a license, but the day-to-day -day activities that go into interacting with one's state regulator uh, are a little different there uh, than maybe states like Illinois, which has an exception in their guidance, exception to licensure for those conducting direct wallet-to-wallet -wallet transactions. And the same can be said of Texas and, and a handful of other states where it's uh, a little bit easier uh, to operate because there's no state uh, reporting requirements or state licensing requirements. You are a very polished gentleman, sir. You know your trade, your craft, and your company very well. Kudos to you. Definitely well, hats you. off to you. No problem. So let me ask two questions that are going to trip you up a little bit, okay? 
All right. I'm ready for the challenge. All right. Do you like cigars? I love cigars. Uh, truth, <laughs> truth, truth be told, I'm, I'm still uh, fairly green. Uh, I, I enjoy a mild Churchill, and uh, I don't yet have a, a, uh, any brand loyalty, or, or I haven't worked my way up to a, a medium. Uh, but uh, I'm going to stick with the mild for now and uh, continue to evolve my knowledge. And hopefully that's something that uh, you can help me out with as we, uh, we spend time in the cigar lounge together. That, my friend, sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. And I, myself, full disclosure, I enjoy a nice mild to mild to medium cigar in the morning with coffee. I don't like heavy cigars uh, to start my day, uh, kind of weigh me down. Uh, I like a heavy cigar after I've had a nice meal you know, with a shot of scotch or maybe a gin and tonic. Um, but I, I had to ask that question to trip you up um, only because uh, I'm a cigar lover. So that's just how, you know, how I roll. So my second question for you is um, independent of your company, are you a cryptocurrency hodler? I am to a certain extent. Um, our company does accept uh, Bitcoin as a method of payment, and so we do hold a modest amount of crypto. Um, we feel it's very important to participate uh, in this space, and, and by participation for us, that is acting as a merchant uh, and accepting uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. So to a certain extent, I am a hodler, um, and I do transact with cryptocurrency, and um, when the opportunities present themselves, whether it's uh, to advertise our company or to uh, demonstrate cryptocurrency to a, a lay audience, uh, I'm happy to do uh, to, to do very various transactions and microtransactions to get folks some exposure to the crypto space, especially those that may be new uh, or in some ways maybe a little uh, a little confused or a little hesitant to get into the crypto space. So I, I've always felt that it's uh, it's incumbent upon those that have been in the crypto space, especially those who've been there for some time, like myself to really be advocates and, and to educate folks about crypto. We may not necessarily be able to, to sell it to the masses or to, to uh, the, the public at large, but I think by you know, being participatory in the ecosystem and introducing new audiences to cryptocurrency, we can do our part. So I, I hope that wasn't uh, too mushy, but I, I really do feel uh, that it's incumbent upon all of us in, in the crypto space to really um, make it a place, not, not just compliance space, but make it a welcoming space uh, for those that uh, seek to learn more and want to be involved. It wasn't mushy at all. Um, I actually find the ethos refreshing. I am a big advocate of supporting businesses in this space that accept cryptocurrency. Uh, I've said in tweets and on my show, if we don't support businesses, the businesses go away. So the ecosystem is the businesses. When we onboard new people, they're going to want to have somewhere to go to spend cryptocurrency. So, folks, if you hodl crypto and you need AML services, make sure you reach out to my friend Joe Chicolo with BitAML. So, Joe, let me ask my last question, okay? All right. Where do you see cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in the next three to five years? Sure. I think it's easy to say that the blockchain and crypto space are going to continue to grow. I, I think that certainly goes without saying. I, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, participation by institutions. Um, traditional mainstream financial institutions are going to become more involved uh, in some ways, both direct and indirect. Uh, and I think the, the level of attention and understanding of cryptocurrency overall uh, is going to go up, uh, especially among uh, 
uh, more traditional or mainstream audiences. So that's what I'm looking for in, in the coming years. Um, I think if we wanted to be a little bit more focused and, and recast this question towards compliance, uh, I really see a lot more states getting involved in uh, licensing and, and requiring companies uh, to, uh, to submit to licensing uh, at the state level. And I think we're going to see a lot more activity, um, not just here in California, but in other states, uh, as more participants come into the cryptocurrency ecosystem where businesses are created, I think there's going to be uh, more of an insistence on licensing and, and the application of, of licensure requirements. So um, not necessarily a bad thing. As we mentioned before, it's, it's great to see and, and be a part of uh, a compliant industry. And I think that, that goes a long way to uh, making us more inviting uh, to a mainstream audience that maybe looks at crypto with a little bit of a suspicion in their eye because they don't think it's regulated or they don't think it's regulated properly. Um, you know, we do have uh, some ways to go on that, but I, I think that uh, the continued understanding and the continued outreach that this industry has in connecting not just with potential customers, but with legislators, with representatives, with uh, regulators and others uh, is really going to go a long way for the future of cryptocurrency. Joe? This was a fantastic discussion, sir. I learned so much about uh, your firm, um, about your beliefs about crypto. Um, I learned so much about the way you and your firm can assist new businesses in this space in becoming compliant and ensure their longevity. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Chicolo, sir, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me this evening. Thank you. The pleasure's mine.